You're listening to Across the Street, Across the Country, a production of DKI Canada. Imagine walking into your home or your place of business after it's been devastated by a fire, flood, or a major storm. Those are all examples that fit within two categories, natural disasters and those caused by human error, and all causing stress. But if that disaster was created not by one of those categories, but by vandalism, it brings the helplessness, the anxiety to a whole new level. It can also present unique challenges for the people whose task it is to restore that property. On today's program, we'll dive into the impacts and challenges that vandalism specifically presents to both those camps, the victim and the restoration experts with DKI. My name is Denis Grignel, and this is Season 2, Episode 6 of Across the Street, Across the Country. Small town, big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Show me some signs, God, throw me some clues. Which way to go, God? Which path to choose? And if I go left, will I take the right steps? And if I go right, will I have enough left to keep going, to keep growing? Small town, big dreams, baby steps, big shoes. Thanks for being with us. The people with DKI all across the country have no shortage of stories of walking onto and into disaster sites and ultimately restoring those sites back to life. They've learned that there are commonalities in the kinds of damage caused by disasters, the natural ones and those humans caused by accident. But if it's not by accident, if that disaster was calculated, it's different. Dylan Parker is the co-owner of DKI Parker in Windsor, Ontario. They specialize in restoration work following vandalism and break-ins. Dylan joins me now from his home in Windsor. Hey, Dylan, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. No problem. Hey, when you get a call to inspect and quote on a site that has suffered damage because of vandalism or break-in, what's your reaction, even before you've gone out to the site, what's your reaction, especially when you compare it to the reaction you might have to the other types of disasters I've mentioned? It almost feels more, you're, you feel more vulnerable, I guess, if you've been vandalized. We see it quite often. We see it more on the uh, commercial side as opposed to the personal losses. There's a lot of, I don't want to give Windsor a bad reputation or anything, but there there are a lot of downtown businesses that do get vandalized quite often. Uh, a lot of people, we find they, they break into the buildings, they look for anything that's of any value, you know, strip copper out of, out of the plumbing just to, to try and get something. You know, the times that we get called in to do the broken into home, the loss is more vulnerable. It feels somebody has been wandering through your home, looking through your belongings. So you just have to, you have to approach it very like you're in, you're in ear to the, the owner. You just, you listen, you hear out what happened. You try and help them process everything that happened. Usually we're there pretty well, right. As the cops are there or are leaving, we have the contract with Windsor, uh, the city building department, uh, police and fire. Uh, so we get called in for any loss like that. You you have to go in and just hear out what happened. You kind of walk through the the site with them, see what's been affected. Um, we have our content specialist that usually goes with our project manager. Just obviously that way, when you're dealing with with vandalism, if there's something that's been stolen, 
we take all the you know information about it and we can prepare a, a list for the insurance company of just what was lost, uh, what the replacement value may be. Uh, they take all the information from the owners and, and compile a list based off of all that data. I think you already answered part of this question when you mentioned, you know, people ripping out copper pipe for for resale, which I never would have considered. I'm just wondering what other kinds of actual physical work you know to expect when you walk into that kind of restoration that is due to vandalism or a break-in. I'm obviously broken windows and broken locks, I'm guessing, but what other kinds of things do you go, yep, this is standard for what we see? Uh, yeah, like the, the doors that were broken in, like busted down or... The jams were pried open, windows were broken. Usually people who break into a property, they're in a hurry to get out. So you're dealing with damage to, you know, walls, floors. They may have tried to to drag a large safe possibly out. So you, you could have some scratched floors, uh, some gouged walls, kind of. It depends on what they've taken and in what setting you're in. And it could even be uh, in, if like the weather can play a factor, if it's a rainy day, you could have, you know, mud all over the carpet from their shoes. It, it's small things like that that just kind of add to the the grand scheme of it. This is something I've always been curious about. When I see graffiti on, on the wall or paint on a wall, is there a real art or a technique and a, a special skill in removing that? Yeah, it is a little, like if you're talking about a drywall or plaster, like a paintable surface, uh, it is a little bit more difficult depending on the type of paint and the color of paint they use. I mean, if like if I the gray wall behind me, if you were to put bright red spray paint on it and it's kind of dried up, you may have to prime that quite a few times to make sure that 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 red doesn't bleed back through. Versus if it's on you know brick or concrete, there are chemicals that you can use, and then you would pressure wash it, and it would get it pretty well back to normal you might still see a faint like an etched area almost yeah i get the sense that you would see that etched area because this is your business and your eyes would be drawn to it when the average person would. yeah i mean I, I would yeah i'd be hyper focused on it <laughs> of course because that's what you do do any of them stand out for you dylan uh, the the more distressing types of vandalism that you've encountered where you've said whoa this is almost disturbing to see there have been a few that it was a targeted incident you walk away and you you kind of feel heavy for the the remainder of the day or maybe even a few days um especially if there's a situation where you know there was like it was a family home and like if a child's involved and and the police usually kind of explain what we're getting into when we get there just so we're a little bit more aware so we're not totally walking in blind i don't want to like go too too detailed but uh, there's been times where we've dealt with vandalism where it was a father that's no longer in the picture that broke into the family's home and, you know, stole some photos and some belongings out of the children's room. Uh, situations like that, where uh, at least we're kind of aware of it going into it. So we don't say anything that, you know, may further upset the uh, the victim. Sure. I would think this is much different than walking into a flooded basement or a huge storm damage that, well, you're nodding already, I can tell. So I just wonder, how do you prepare your yeah. crew when they walk into a situation like that to let them know that, look, this, it's not going to be personal to you, but it's really going to be personal to the homeowner. You you need to prepare yourself for this. Yeah, we are, are most of our crews are, are specialized to deal with uh, trauma cleanups as well. I know that's kind of a separate topic from this, but it's not, uh, a it's, lot of our, it's not actually this, I was going to get into that. So please expound on that. So, uh, locally victim services is the, the company that we work with as well. So anytime where there's a passing or 
and anything along that line, uh, they would call us in to remediate the scene. So our, our crews are, are trained to deal with that and they're trained on how to approach the subject. We have monthly meetings to kind of go over like how to handle certain situations. It's not a don't speak kind of thing, but it's like, just kind of go in, just do what you have to do. Don't, you're not going there to, you know, Hey, how's your day going? Like you have to approach it from a very reserved position. You don't try and cheer them up. And it's just, you, you have to kind of be just level-headed and go in and just do whatever assisting you need to do to, to remedy the, the issue. Mm-hmm. And then you, you leave, you don't try and cheer them up. You don't try and ask them what happened. It's like I say, it's not a don't speak, but it's almost a only speak if necessary. Uh, obviously insurance companies want things quickly. And when you're dealing with something like vandalism, you can't really rush the client to say what was taken and can you provide us that information so we can compile a, a, a report for the insurance company and that way we can get a replacement value. So again, it comes down to like approaching it the right way. You don't want to make them like they they just experienced a traumatic event. You don't want to further that. Like you want to try and, and help them work through everything. So I'm going to read this section here from your website, and I want you to expand on it a little bit. We also have the knowledge, experience, and compassion required to provide a professional and respectful approach. Tell me a little bit about that that compassion and respect while balancing, as you said, you know, don't disassociate and disconnect, but maintaining that balance of boundaries, I guess, to know, just to kind of read, read the room. Our, our crews are trained to kind of gauge the situation. They know... Like obviously, if you're if you're somewhere dealing with a, a broken window, yeah, the the homeowner may you know joke with you. They may, if it's just a broken window, I know that's easy for me to say, just a broken window. But if it's something like that, a broken window or maybe some graffiti, they they may talk to you. They may ha- have a conversation with you, and that that's fine. You you approach it, you know, just be respectful. You're again, you're not going to obviously joke about the graffiti. You're not going to joke about the window, but you just want to make them feel like you're not necessarily a stranger, but not their best friend kind of thing. Whereas if you're walking into like, I say a trauma or uh, more of a severe situation, you just have to kind of understand that. I mean, yeah, you're, you're going in there to restore their peace of mind in a sense. You're not there to brighten their day per se. You never want to go in and and have to deal with something like that. It's always unfortunate, especially being a business owner. I don't want to see other business owners have damage to their property or belongings. I'm a homeowner. I don't want to see a homeowner have damage to their property or belongings. I understand that's the industry we're in. And our our thing that we always push in, in any marketing or anything, it's that we restore property and peace of mind. That's something that I was raised with. It's something that I'm very happy that I'm able to provide to, to our clients. It's very, it is very rewarding seeing the end result being able to go and, and help somebody out when they're in need and get them back up and running if it's a business or you know make them feel safe in their home again if it's a break and enter or just cleaning their property up if it was graffiti. It is probably more, I don't want to say more rewarding, but it is like you say, it's a different level of reward when you're dealing with something like vandalism versus a flood. Does anything stand out for you, Dylan? Do you remember something that was maybe damaged, a piece of property? Not the structure of the building itself, but something that was cherished by this family, even if it didn't have a huge monetary value, but you were able to restore it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, again, this is kind of specific to to us, maybe not so much to to other locations, 
perhaps, but uh, we have a standalone uh, content restoration facility. Uh, so yeah, when we go into a, a house that was vandalized, there might be, you know, that antique chest that was their great, great grandparents. Uh, and it might've been damaged just from it being pushed off to the side or, or rummaged through. Uh, and yeah, we would be able to, most cases we would be able to restore something like that uh, for them. There was a, a little like jewelry chest that was thrown off the dresser in, in a, a break and enter. And it was kind of, it like broke open and we were able to kind of restore it. And we tried to get as like period matching hinges and everything just to kind of make it as original as possible. Um, and I know uh, when my content manager delivered that, it was, you know, the, the, the lady had some tears. So that was, I'm sure that meant a lot to, to him as well, seeing that because he's our, our director of operations from the content side. The sentimental value is worth more than any any dollar figure. That's probably one of the the most satisfying feelings is being able to give them back something that actually means a lot to them. I mean, restoring properties, that's obviously rewarding in and of itself because, you know, the property is, that's your, usually your biggest investment that you, that you have. Uh, but having something that's sentimental to them that we're able to bring back that joy, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely rewarding. Hi, I'm Dylan Parker with DKI Parker in Windsor, Ontario, and you are listening to Across the Street, Across the Country. This program is a production of DKI Canada, a leader in Canadian property restoration. DKI Canada provides services to insurance, commercial, and residential clients from coast to coast. Whether it's an emergency response, water damage mitigation, fire and contents cleaning, mold remediation, or a complete reconstruction, DKI members are available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If you're ever in need of emergency assistance, the number is 1-855-DKI-TODAY. That's 1-855-354-2329. Dylan Parker of DKI Parker in Windsor did a great job of explaining from the restoration expert's perspective, the work, but also the emotions surrounding a disaster caused by vandalism. For the property owner, it can, it will understandably be especially not just devastating, but likely personal. We are not, after all, just talking about a physical rebuild. When a person or persons are responsible for the disaster to your property, for the property owner, that's a unique kind of trauma. Elizabeth Hepworth is a registered psychotherapist with her own practice. And given that she's been so generous with her time for this program in the past, I think we can now refer to her as our show's resident psychotherapist. Elizabeth, thanks again for joining us on Across the Street, Across the Country. No problem. My pleasure. I hope I wasn't taking a leap there when I suggested that victims of vandalism, that, that can cause a unique kind of trauma compared to a disaster caused not by human intent. Can you weigh in here, please? Was I reasonably accurate? You know, it can. It is very personable or person-centered, I guess. is So it's hard to say how people respond to specific situations. If there is an implied 
like there was a way you could have gotten out of it. But you know, Dennis, the truth is, is people who go through natural disasters go through the same kind of grief as well. Like, why did God do this to me as opposed to why did this person do it to me? And I'm not saying that it can't be personal. I guess it would depend what's written and whether or not there's a deeper tie to something else. So if you're a person of culture or um, if it is targeted hatred or you're homosexual and it's and it's slang that way or if you're like if it's targeted specific i think the impact might be a little bit harder to get over than if it was you could walk in and think okay this totally is terrible that it happened but doesn't actually apply to me like all things we forget action is reflective of the person doing it not the person it's aimed at can you take me through the arc of the emotions they're likely to feel throughout that entire process from the initial stage of walking in to their property after it's been vandalized to the completion of the restoration work? Because it's got to be a bit of a roller coaster as they're monitoring all that. I imagine it would be, right? So I imagine there's some uncertainty with whether or not you have the right kind of coverage, how long it will take. Um, how long it will take to put your life back together. Can you live in the home? Can you not live in the home? If you have young children and they can read and depending what it says, can you black it out right away so that they don't understand? And explaining that to children um, might be a difficult thing that happens as well. Then so DKI walks in and I'm sure that they've all said this. Their job is to help the homeowners. They are the first line of defense after a disaster hits and their whole process, right. Is to put people back at ease and to help them, help them step through it. I think it depends on the ability of the person coming in and their ability to make a connection to the person who's gone through this trauma, the more comfortable and confident we feel in the people who are going to help us, the more at ease we become or can become. Like I said, emotion is so very individualized, so we can all identify emotions and because we can identify them, we feel like we can understand what sadness means or what hurt means or what anger means or what grief means. But the truth is, is that emotions are unique to an individual in how they experience it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I'm just wondering though, if it's not, even if it's not personal per se, and the perpetrator had no relationship or connection to the property owner. How can that affect how the property owner deals with the trauma? Just how, how, do, you, they get, how do they get past it? Um, I think it would depend on the amount of damage, the property damage done, how long they've moved out of the house, and really truly where they are in their personal cycle of life. And I know I keep coming back to that, but our emotions filter the way we interpret the world. So if we're in traditionally a good place or have faith that things will work out, yeah, you're definitely going to feel the sadness of what has happened. You're going to feel the conflict. You're going to feel some anger. And you're going to know that you're going to be able to move past it and, and move forward. Whereas if this is the last thing on the long line, you could get caught up in the poor me cycle. And I understand that, right? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to say that there isn't a good reason to have it. I'm saying it's not helpful to move you through the moment. Is it best for the vandalism victim to to witness the transformation of that restoration of the work being done, or to simply walk away and return when it's completed? I'm just wondering for that homeowner, you know, who maybe has seen just angry, hateful graffiti 
in mm-hmm. their home and they've seen walls punched in and windows broken and drawers mm-hmm. flipped open. What would you suggest for that homeowner to, to see the process as it becomes better or just walk away and come back when it's all good? Because you're not going to love this answer, but the truth is, is I would ask, oh. which way, which way would we help you to heal, to go through this? Do you want to be part of the process and step-by-step? Step? Do you want to be out of the house and we can take pictures so you don't have to make the decision today? Do you want to, right, just exit and, and go? I mean, my advice would be for the restoration company, though, for sure, to take pictures so that if people decide at a certain point when they're far enough away from the trauma that they want to go back and look, they can. They can. But yeah, I, I would give them back their power and give them the opportunity to have a choice on how how their space goes back together. Dylan talked about how his crew is trained to deal with clients who are victims of trauma, especially while the work is being done if the property owner is on the site. They're very sympathetic. They're they're good at listening, but they're they also have to keep their head down and, and just do the work. But those crews are also going to bear witness to some unique kinds of of damage, stuff that they will not see in just a regular natural disaster, whether it's graffiti or just awful things that are that are filled with maliciousness. What advice can you give to the to the people of DKI who are on those sites restoring those properties so that they can deal with witnessing that trauma? Probably instead of getting caught up in the damage, looking at looking at the effort and the coming together and the fixing and the repairing that happens from a society perspective. You know, I have a fundamental belief that people are good and occasionally do bad things. And I think some people believe that people are bad and occasionally do good things. It's just how you're raised and what was reinforced while you were going through and maybe both are kind of true. Mm-hmm. But at this point, when you're in a situation that you don't have control over, you're parachuted into it, you focus on what you do have control. So what am I doing to help them move forward? What are we doing to put their life back on track? What are we doing to put our hand up and help? You know, not getting caught up in the ugly, but finding the beauty that will come next. It's more than just bricks and it's more than just diamond rings and championship parades. Thanks again going out to psychotherapist Elizabeth Hepworth for helping us out on the show. And thanks also going out to Close Kicks and Daryl James for contributing our opening and closing theme music. Find more Close Kicks music at closekicks.com. The other music you hear throughout the show, those short interludes that tie everything together so nicely, that's from Graham Lindsay. You can find Graham's music and the music of Close Kicks on your favorite streaming platform, like the one you're using right now to listen to our show, where you'll rate our show right and uh, also share the link. That helps others find us. To send us a story idea and or your thoughts on what we're doing, you can reach out to us via the DKI Canada Facebook page or at dki.ca. DKI Canada actively contributes to creating a better future through environmental protection and social responsibility. Focused on leaving things better than DKI found them, DKI is committed to using environmentally sustainable cleaning products and mitigating risk in environmentally sustainable ways. Across the Street, Across the Country is written, produced, and hosted by me, Denis Grignon. Wishing you a great April. We're back in about two weeks with a brand new episode.